Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, one of the things we always like to do on the Scripture on Creation program is respond to questions you get from listeners or that come up in conversation. That's for sure. Today, you have a question that didn't come from someone else. You asked this question to yourself, I guess. <laughs> and then after searching for the answers, you thought it might be interesting to share your findings on our program. Yes, yeah, Scott. And of course, it's not unusual to ask oneself a question, is it? I've asked myself that question many times. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope everyone does that at various times. And I'm not talking about questions like, where did I put my keys? <laughs> I've asked those questions too. <laughs> I'm talking especially about questions that come up in your mind when reading the Bible mm. or hearing something that is credited to the the Bible. Well, that certainly is an important emphasis on this program. You know, there are all kinds of sources of information related to the Bible or opinions about what the Bible says in our world. And we always strongly encourage everyone to discern if indeed that's what Scripture says. Well, that's right. People can not only get what the Bible means wrong, they even just flat out get <laughs> what the Bible says wrong. And so even when I share something on this program, I hope that people will consider it, will check it out, because what matters is not what I say. What matters is what Scripture says. Hmm, seems like I've heard that somewhere <laughs> before. So anyway, getting back to asking questions, I really want to encourage everyone to not just let a question that comes up in your mind fade away. You may not be able to pursue an answer to it right away, but then write it down or store it in your memory bank to-do list and search out the answer later when you can. You know, Dr. Scripture, one of the things I do is I put a little memo in my phone now. Oh, that's a great idea. You know, we've got voice memo. We've yeah. got text to yourself memos. That's a good way to do it. And once you have an opportunity to search the question out, there's many ways to get answers. A concordance helps you understand the word that you may have a question about. A study Bible helps to get information on a particular subject. You may have references in the margin or at the bottom of your study Bible that'll help you look up different texts that relate to the question that you have, or you can consult a Bible dictionary or even a commentary. And you don't, frankly, even need books in your library like it used to be. There's the internet. You can Google it. That's exactly right. And, of course, you can believe everything you read on the internet, right? <laughs> well, that's what Wikipedia tells me. Yeah. And, of course, you've always got to be careful, but you just consider the source, but search these things out. And then, of course, there's people who you know that may have more biblical knowledge than yourself, and you can ask them. You know, man, I sure wish people would just ask more questions about what the Bible says, for example, in their daily conversation. Mm. Aren't we always free to talk about the weather, <laughs> the latest sports news or politics or what's ailing us? But how often does a conversation erupt about something the Bible says because someone— how about you ask a question as a matter of interest that came up in your mind as you read the Bible? I hope that's not not happening because you don't read the Bible. Mm. I certainly can't imagine that if we're reading the Bible very much, questions don't come up, and they make for interesting conversation. You know, what does the Word say? Quote, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely— whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things, unquote. That's Philippians 4.8, by the way. You know, discussing the Bible 
certainly would meet that criteria Paul listed there, wouldn't it? Well, it sure would. And as we've already pointed out, consulting with someone else on these issues is one of the ways that you can let your mind dwell on these things, as it says in Philippians. And that's one of the reasons why we appreciate questions from listeners here on the Scripture on Creation program. But once again, the question we have today is not from a listener, Dr. Scripture. (laughs) It's one you asked yourself. So let's hear it. What is your question? Well, Scott, my question actually has to do with asking questions. Oh, come on now. We just talked about that. (laughs) No, no, that's not what I'm referring to. Let me explain. I was teaching on the Ten Commandments recently and considered the fact that the entire law is summarized in Jesus' own words by two statements. We read this in Matthew 22, verse 36. A lawyer asks Jesus a question about the law, and he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Notice there's a question. And he said to him, that's Jesus says to this lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Hmm. So notice Jesus is dividing the commandments into two major groups. The first focuses on God and the second on one's fellow man. And in my message, I was making the connection between the commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, with another statement in the Bible, what we often call the golden rule. Scott, there are different ways of expressing it, but what would you say is the golden rule? Well, I originally learned it in the King James Uh version, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the way I've learned it. I think that's probably maybe not the newest generation, but (laughs) that's the way most of us have heard it. Yeah, NIV just says do to others as you would have them do to you. Okay, well, I would say that most people probably don't know that that truly is from the Bible. Hmm. And putting it in those words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is like you said— sort of the King James English, and it's not a quote word for word from the Bible, but it does, as I say, actually come from what Jesus says, recorded in the Gospels. The example in Luke is this, Luke 6.31, quote, and just as you want people to treat you, treat them in the same way. Perhaps I should point out that that's the New American Standard Bible's translation. And then in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus says, therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. So Jesus very much relates this golden rule, as we call it, to the law. But you know, there is a very fundamental difference in the way the golden rule or the second great commandment, as Jesus refers to it, is expressed in contrast to the way the Ten Commandments are worded, for example. Do you know what I'm getting at, Scott? Well, if you're talking about the way they're worded, are you referring to how the Ten Commandments are mostly thou shalt nots, again, referring to King James English, but the golden rule is phrased in a positive way, saying what you should do. That's exactly what I mean. So, for example, Jesus summarizes the final six of the Ten Commandments, which all relate to how we treat our neighbor. In other words, they are instructions about our relationships with our fellow man. He says, We shall, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And actually, that's quoting Leviticus 19.18. But the Ten Commandments say, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, etc. And so with all that in mind, it got me to thinking, it seems like laws are generally framed in the context of prohibiting things, prohibiting actions. Now, obviously not 100%, but usually 
So finally, Scott, here's the question I asked myself as I was thinking about this issue. What was the first law or commandment recorded in the Bible? And what we're going to do is then we're going to go back all the way to creation. So that's how this relates to Scripture on creation. And I was wondering, was that first commandment, or those first commandments we might say, or laws, negative or positive? Because it would seem to me that that may set a precedent then on how generally laws or commandments are phrased. So, Scott, I'll ask you, what would you say is the first law or commandment in the Bible? Hmm. Well, I'd say the first commandment was God saying, let there be light. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me on that. <laughs> that is, that is the first commandment. And of course, <laughs> his created realm instantly responds. Better than we he, do. <laughs> uh, that is the truth, isn't that? What a great example. I mean, the inanimate objects of the world, of the universe, instantly obey, Right but not man. And of course, that's because that free will, that ability that he gives man to make his own decisions. So that's great, Scott. Okay. God's first commandment to man. Oh, his first commandment to man. I suppose it would be what he says in Genesis 1 when he tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Well, that's the same idea I had when I asked myself that question. So let's see what scripture says. Let's go to Genesis 1 and see what it says about the creation of man and some of the commands that God gives. I'm going to start reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds, etc. Okay, so there's the commandment that God gives. Notice from that statement, we see that God gave them this commandment. It's plural. So he was talking to Adam and Eve. He gave them the command, a positive one, a command to do something. Well, yeah, and it wouldn't have made sense to say that just to Adam before Eve was created. I mean, being fruitful and multiplying takes two. (laughs) Exactly. But Scott, in Genesis 2, we're given more detail about how and when God created Adam and Eve. In fact, details of some of what God said to man, that is Adam. So now let's look at Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading at verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also is in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So notice, at this point, there's no commands. There's no recorded commands anyway. But when we move on to verse 15, we'll see what God tells Adam to do. Verse 15 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. So notice that God put Adam in the garden to cultivate it, and he probably told him what to do. But the first commandment recorded in the Bible that God gives to Adam is in the form of a law. And it is a thou shalt not kind of a law, right? And this was before God created Eve. And thus would have been before the commandment God gave to Adam and Eve recorded in Genesis 1 to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, etc., 
And so with that, it got me to really answering my own question, you know, what form was the first law ever given in as actually a prohibition? It's the first one that we've got definitely recorded in the Bible. God's commandment to Adam was, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, it doesn't mean that God didn't tell Adam other things to do before that, but I'm talking about how things are recorded for us in the Bible because God puts things in the Bible certain ways for certain reasons. So is there something to learn from this? I think so, because how does man respond whenever we're told you cannot do something? (laughs) It seems to be it's the first thing we want to do. It's just the essence of our nature. And of course, Adam wasn't a sinner at this point, but he and Eve certainly responded with this idea. Well, God said we can't have that one tree. There's a thousand others we can't have, (laughs) but what did they want? They wanted the one that God said you could not have. So to help ourselves respond properly to the things that God tells us, positive or negative, Perhaps the best way to respond to God's command is to think of the things that we can, that we should do. In other words, in a positive way, think about what the good old golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or as Jesus emphasized when he recounted the second of the great commandments, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.